0: Welcome back to The Popular Show with me, James A. Smith, not feeling at all good, but recording through it because what else are we going to do? Whenever there is a new crisis, a new awfulness, I have to call on Tara McCormick at the University of Leicester to tell me what to think and tell me how to understand it. Tara, welcome back to The Popular Show for your third appearance, I think.
1: Thank you very much, James. Thank you so much for asking me. I I I, I feel that you may be expecting a bit too much. Of me, but I'll...
0: you have offered great clarity on COVID and lockdowns when we first recorded with you in the winter of the end of 2021. I think uh, Britain was sort of staring down the barrel of a of a, a further lockdown that. Boris Johnson ended up getting kind of bounced out of, but we were we were recording to kind of petition against that. And then we recorded once again last year after Russia invaded Ukraine and you provided invaluable guidance to the, the thinking of the foreign policy establishment and how uh, war propaganda is changing. I think that the um, insight from both of those episodes is gonna help us to approach what's going on in israel and gaza um but maybe let's um keep a foot in the last current thing um ukraine it's it's been amazing to see the media reportage of this switch overnight we'd had a few kind of hints that the americans were pretty sick of the whole thing and felt that they were in too far and kind of wanted to um change up the policy on ukraine and move away from unlimited support forever uh, and indiscriminate flooding of Eastern Europe with weapons. Um, But uh, what have we got here? NBC News currently reporting that US and European officials have been quietly talking to the Ukrainian government about what possible peace negotiations with Russia might entail to end the war, according to one current senior US official, familiar with the discussion. So uh, all of those uh, of us who were traitors and Putinists for saying <laughs> that there needed to be peace negotiations before thousands of Ukrainians got sacrificed to this project. Uh, those of us who were saying that it was obviously going to end with some kind of um, accords with Russia and not with the fall of Putin uh, uh, are, are, well, now the time has finally come. And last week we also had Time magazine with an absolutely extraordinary oh, yes. Zelensky cover and what a pull quote, nobody believes in our victory like I do. How did you interpret that?
1: Yes, well, I, that's probably true. i think mm-hmm. sure it was uh, speaking the truth. Um, yeah, it's been, to go back to the beginning, I mean, it's been like someone has turned off the light in terms of reporting on Ukraine. It is absolutely phenomenal. Perhaps not as surprised, as you say, for those of us who um, were arguing against how the war was presented and the necessity for a political compromise, etc. But still, the speed at which uh, Ukraine has just been chucked off the news, every chucked off the news cycles is just um, phenomenal. Um, now I was looking up uh, statistics for though for dead in the war, um, about nine and a half thousand civilians in Ukraine, seventy thousand. Um, the, now these are from, this is from um, the American state, so you know we can take it with a pinch of salt, of course. And in fact, it's always very difficult in wartime to work out exactly how many people have died. Seventy thousand. Um, i think ukrainian soldiers and quite a higher number of uh, russian soldiers and again obviously difficulties in really knowing how far those figures are through but i mean what a phenomenal death toll and when we think that um last spring as we know um thanks to Natalie bennett's uh discussions anna has been subsequently confirmed by other states people um There were peace negotiations in April 22 and America and Britain basically said to Zelinsky, no, you might be ready to quote, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, good old Johnson, you might be ready to negotiate peace, but we're not. Um, And, of course, now we, we are coming to... A negotiated settlement at some point, with uh, as far as I can understand, but again, who knows what will happen exactly, slightly worse terms than would have been yes. last spring, with the addition of many thousands dead. Um, and yeah, uh, as seems difficult to <laughs> comment on that, really. Um,
0: One of our um, first responses uh, to the invasion, we we had uh, your and my mutual friend, Michael Tracy, on the program the day after Russia invaded. And I remember, I stand by this, I remember saying uh, this on that show, that this was um, evidence of multipolarity that was being interpreted as um, a vindication of unipolarity this the fact that russia was doing it at all uh was a, a clue that they simply didn't believe in u.s hegemony in, in the same way anymore and that has been borne out in the in, in the the massive support that or or at least neutrality that russia has been met with uh among B- brics countries global south uh the massive kind of um criticism of nato uh, and the NATO line uh, that we saw from um, other countries much much emboldened uh, and yet it was being taken that this was almost retribution for Iraq that that, uh, that the West suddenly could justify intervention again that, that this was going to be the good version of Iraq where uh, America and Europe did the right thing by intervening to protect Ukraine uh, from Russia um, that, like, amazing sort of misinterpretation or that massive kind of uh, contretemps uh, between um, I- interpretations, I-, I think that that has, like, continued to be relevant to what's going on uh, in Israel and how that's being responded to around the world. Um, I-, I just drop uh, Andrew Marr getting it on LBC.
2: And make it clear that countries like Britain are on the losing side. Will Israel's grand invasion of Gaza finally expose the real balance of power in the world and make it clear that countries like Britain are on the losing side? The immediate dividing line is about who is demanding an immediate ceasefire, something Israel sees as tantamount to surrender to Hamas. Russia and China are. No surprise there. Plus most of the Arab countries, again, no surprise. Then there is that NATO member, Turkey, whose President Erdogan has said Hamas is not a terrorist organisation. Then there's India. Other countries with severe public doubts about Israel's actions in Gaza include Algeria and South Africa, plus the African Union. Pakistan has described Israeli Boeing of Gaza as genocide. Further east, Indonesia and Malaysia have been highly critical. In South America, countries such as Brazil and Colombia have spoken out against Israel. In Europe, the EU remains split, although Ireland, Norway and Spain have all criticised the Israelis. Already this week, we have seen a furious row between the United Nations Secretary-General and Israel about responsibility for the killing, and I think this longer list matters because it shows that Britain and the United States are now looking just a little bit lonely in resisting ceasefire calls
0: so when when uh it, it was ukraine it, it there was this uh, by now familiar kind of moralization of the conflict mm-hmm. and this way in which it was compulsory to say that russia were this evil empire invading ukraine uh you know this was completely um unprovoked etc and yet
1: and uh, any response was except you know even up and uh, unto world war three that was okay because You know, Ukraine was the new Jerusalem. I don't mean that as a
0: reference, (laughs) you
1: know, the kind of shining light on the hill and, uh, you know, the very heart and soul of the West. Yeah, it was extraordinary. And we, you know, we know public buildings in the UK flew Ukrainian flags. I mean, it was it was quite an astonishing uh, sweep, a push from the political elites, I guess, to represent the war in a certain way
0: so we live through all that propaganda and then you're looking at a very similar list of other countries and they're just not going with it and they and and they're not going with that same interpretation we flash forward to now yeah. and not only do you have this kind of multipolar split on what uh uh what support is due to Israel what um the international community should be um should be saying and doing about what is happening there um but you also unlike ukraine do have um this massive split between ordinary public opinion in the english speaking world and in europe um and elite opinion it it it, it's like the split has moved even further um i mean i'm looking at at polling here that says that 58 percent of um, Britons are entirely in support of a ceasefire, yes. and only 3% are entirely against one. You wouldn't think that from reading the papers, you wouldn't think that from listening to politicians. Um, h- how do you make sense of that, uh, that these, this kind of split between the official presentation and how other countries and indeed ordinary people now are, are interpreting this stuff?
1: Um, yeah, no, I think that, well, there are a lot of things to think about there. I mean, I think, first of all, in terms of thinking about international support, I mean, certainly we have to be careful about Russia and China, you know, neither of which country uh, are known for their kind of uh, gentleness in terms of their own uh, populations either. Mm -hmm. You know, so Russia and China made very clear, and then it was also misinterpreted. Uh, that they were very fully in support of Israel going after Hamas, uh, but that they needed to avoid civilian casualties. And obviously one can think, well, how sincere is that? You know, of course, one could think back to Chechnya. Uh, you know, <laughs> Russia, the Russian state uh, hasn't exactly been uh, gentle in terms of its own uh, Islamist or indeed Muslim population. So I think, um, you know, one has to be a bit, you know, it's a bit more nuanced as well in terms mm-hmm. of what countries are uh, saying. Um, I think it's certainly true that, as with Ukraine, what we see in the British, um, amongst the British political class, is a very clear attempt to frame the conflict in very specific ways and to step outside of that is to be um, a, a, you know, pro-Hamas anti-Semite, basically, or just an anti-Semite. So uh, there is a, that that is a, that is a very clear framing that's going on, you know, we think about Suela Braverman saying, presenting, um, claiming that the, palestine matches are all hate match uh, hate speech etc mm-hmm. um, and now the kind of i think confected uh, row about whether there should be any marches over the remembrance weekend
0: yeah i um, mean a, lo- a lot of people who have been politicized over this or or activated over this or or simply are like normal school-run people that I'm seeing at the moment who are seeing all this destruction and devastation and these traumatised, shaking or mutilated kids on Instagram and are uh, 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 suddenly kind of waking up <laughs> to critical foreign policy, you know, people who have never had a political thought in their heads before. Um, I, I, I don't know. You, you know that, uh, that, that Cohen Brothers bit, James Franco standing on the gallows, uh, <laughs> uh uh looking at the guy crying about to be hung this has become a, a meme and he says first time um anyway people have seen the movie will, will oh, know what yeah, they're no. doing about <laughs> I, I feel like you know those of us who were in the uh labor anti-semitism mm-hmm. affair we're kind of looking at these newbies like oh first time being accused of uh anti-semitism is it so but you're, you're even further <laughs> back you go further back uh, you were denounced in the house of commons <laughs> of uh, uh bombing of syria yes yeah, so, um, 2015 was that uh 2018
1: and 2018. then most recently denounced in the house of commons uh, when the russian russia invaded ukraine so you know yeah
0: there you go <laughs> <laughs> You've, uh, the back You're um, old school yeah
1: old, but i i mean so I think there's a different question about, well, I think that, yeah, there's a different question about the extent to which Israel-Palestine, this is a discussion I've also had with lots of other uh, friends and colleagues, Um, the the extent to which Israel-Palestine, I think in general, in general, it would be true that the mainstream opinion in Britain is for a ceasefire straightforwardly ceasefire you know this is there there i don't think there's any it's a minority um view you know that uh the israeli retaliation is justified and moral and all means necessary most people straightforwardly would be supporting a ceasefire but i mean the extent to which this is genuinely something that most people in britain really care about is something I, i'm not really sure about yeah. you know and i don't think that's a criticism either in the same way that the extent to which most people in britain were really losing sleep over ukraine i don't i don't mm-hmm. know again that that's a sort of empirical question almost about you know really what how many people feel so
0: yeah i mean that that's one thing crazy. that Poll- the polling, the massive polling industry, which is such a big uh, and semi-silent part of politics in Britain and has been since New Labour, it, it's never really worked out how to measure depth of feeling. It, it, you yeah. it can, it can ask people, what do you think, this or this? And right. say th- th- say
1: that's but, what, but yeah. it,
0: I mean, it never I really think... takes account of like, well, what if you hadn't asked them?
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean, and having said that, um, you know, in terms of my non-political friends, um which i do i do have um you know at several events over the last three weeks the subject of israel and gaza has come up surprisingly which actually very in in the past you know ukraine didn't tend to um and i have had some discussions that uh, with students at university, but the the discussion has come up, and yeah, there seems to be. But this is obviously, as they say, anecdote doesn't equal data. But you know, there does seem to be a straightforwardly well, what's the 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 what is going on in Gaza is wrong.
0: Yeah, and that seems. Um,
1: to, but again, it said that's just anecdotal.
0: Um, yeah, Anton Yeger um, has said that we live in a time of hyper politics that uh, we, we had we had post-politics where no one was interested mm-hmm. and no one wanted to vote or be in a party. And then the long 2016 came along and many of us, including me, thought that this was a sort of return of politics, that people wanted to be involved in politics anymore. We had a, a new kind of breadthening of the political spectrum. We had a real left-wing party. We had real right-wingers uh, and people were interested again. But Jaeger Ye- suggests that... Um, during covid and in the subsequent kind of big charismatic political conflicts that have come along what we've had instead is not so much a a kind of committed deep political involvement but rather a sense in which part of your your identity is that you think a certain thing or you or you perform the fact that you believe something you fall out with people uh, you'll fall out with friends and family members over things like COVID or, or Ukraine, um, but that doesn't necessarily equal a, a, any kind of you know, real agency or possibility of political change. I mean, I, I say all that because it seems to me like there's a way of linking how people related to COVID, Ukraine, and, and now Israel, how propaganda worked or tried to work during those... Different events. I mean, if 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 I could try and sketch a sort of narrative, Co- COVID, what was going on? Well, I think you and I both reacted against and and, and felt pretty disoriented by the extent to which mm. everybody was talking about it all the time. Not normal people were looking at the like, oh, what are the numbers? What are the death? Ca- what's the yeah. what are the case numbers, etc. We we had this new kind of like constant attention to news i mean the core minister's already been through this and look at look at the polling every week oh my god oh my god everyone started doing that in covid um but there was also a, a, a tremendous policing and self-policing of what you were allowed to say about it anyone yeah. who said like oh uh, hang on but th- these are cases but most of these people are going to get better right? No, you'd be jumped on. Anyone who said, oh, hang on, oh, I've yeah. been reading oh, this yeah. stuff about lockdown. Maybe it doesn't work. You get jumped on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so you want everyone to die then?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then Ukraine comes along and, like, I guess BLM was an ingredient here as well. Everyone had done their black squares. So now, okay, Ukraine's the next one. Time to put the Ukraine flag up. Um This was a bit too complicated and a bit too weird, and the history was too hard to keep in your head. And then I I think
1: also just to jump in, I think that there always there is that difference as well between foreign policy. Again,
0: yeah, Mm you know,
1: um, in terms of uh, supposedly a health crisis, you know, which is immediate in affecting you and you know your parents and etc.
0: Yeah, but, my grandma dying. I know what to do with that. Someone else's babushka dying, and a bit less I'm <laughs> yeah. <sure how> to <laughs> interpret. What am I supposed to do with that?
1: Um, but I, I do think there is a kind of yeah, there's a there's a sort of hyper moralism being used by the political class to try and uh push or, or may, maybe to try to try and create some kind of coherence internally mm. and i if this is where you're going with it, i i agree there is there is a sort of trajectory kind of covid ukraine israel and there'll be something else as well once israel palestine dies
0: my, my suspicion is that the whatever security apparatus and their Influencer employees are going to <laughs> paul mason <laughs> paul mason and a load of chicks on tiktok they're going to be regretting actually here's a here's a hypothesis i think they're going to regret the online effort to get people to have flag emojis over ukraine why well you, you talked about how you know we had ukrainian flags everywhere you know, buildings lit up with Ukrainian flag then we, we flash forward to this year and you've got the Israeli flag over everything I said before this is like being on a Roger Waters um, you know concert set <laughs> like uh, the House of Commons with the Star of David on it is it an anti-Semitic trope no it's uh, a tribute to Israel and a mark of support for Israel um, but that's that's I, th- I feel like it's got out of control because Okay, they try to do a Ukraine for Israel. Oh, everyone has to support Israel now. Have the Israeli flag in your bio, etc. But then, okay, fourteen hundred people indiscriminately killed by Hamas on the seventh of October. That's pretty fucked up. But then, you know, that was they were dead. They were dead, and they weren't going to get many more people after that. Whereas the amount of Gazans that Israel can kill, it's got a sort of two million lid on it you know they will they could kill as many gazans as there are basically so it was never going to be the case that 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 like sympathy propaganda was going to go that well for israel in the current like information economy that the that the, they tried to make israel into another ukraine as far as how that like oh this is very simple don't think about it too hard just get posting get posting but the thing is they didn't anticipate all this video coming out of Gaza. They didn't anticipate how much we were going to be seeing of this, like just absolute devastation. And people can't keep like, oh, I was supposed to be on Israel's side. They can't keep that in their head in, 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 when when faced with all this.
1: Uh, um, yeah, stuff I mean, going I, on. yeah. I mean, I think again, I would say that the sta- Again, I don't. I would. I would. I would assume that the standard public op- opinion, you know, the sort of man or woman on the clapham omnibus as the east if asked would say you know yes hamas are butchers but the retaliation is completely wrong as well i mean you know i don't no. i mean i personally don't have any problem with having that no. argument or, or that you know and i share that as i'm sure many people do with um you know there are plenty of israeli organizations as well who make that point you know absolutely no justification for hamas uh, the hamas atrocities but equally the response is unacceptable
0: you argued that covid um the kind of covid propaganda regime was a bringing into domestic policy or or the control of domestic policy of um, tools that had been engineered mm. in the realm of foreign policy—that that what we were seeing was like the war on terror brought yeah. home.
1: In terms of surveillance, uh, but also in terms of the way that, say, certainly in Britain, um, you know, foreign policy has always been quite specifically presented. Uh, you know the we know the um, denotus system, for example, has always functioned. Uh, I forget what, it's the, a new name for it now, the something media committee, but you know what I mean, the, the committee essentially that every um, newspaper media organisation has an editor or someone who sits on the de committee, which is basically the media says to the government, is this okay to publish mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of security and foreign policy? And the government either says yes or no, Um So I think what you had was that became much more of a kind of whole of news management approach, um, whereby everything was squeezed out, and we had simply the kind of government narrative being presented. I mean, I I think it's a bit harder with Israel, Palestine, and then we have we do have to come a bit more into domestic politics in that there is obviously within Britain, there are groups who do feel more of a relationship to what's going on in Israel and Palestine in the way that you couldn't really say of Ukraine for example mm-hmm. yeah. and i think that's then moving into quite a difficult discussion as well you know because we do ha- but maybe we can get it about how that has happened You know, how does Israel, how have Israel and Palestine become almost a kind of free floating morality tale for everyone?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, You know, I was just sorry, just uh, maybe just to come back today, but you know, I was just looking, you know, there were enormous demos in Indonesia, for example, about. Israel, Palestine—I don't know. I I was sort of thinking about this and thinking about uh, when you had Kenan Malik on, and he was chatting about how Black Lives Matter have become this kind of free-floating, almost moral cause. You know, so I may be wrong. I imagine lots of your listeners are going to be hating me for this. But
0: (laughs) well, okay. I mean, I mean that could be be taken one of two ways, couldn't it? On the one hand, um, it's a sort of—I mean, the 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 exportation of BLM that's a good example of how like fi- ways of criticizing America have very often been one of the secret ways in which American ideology has been exported uh, um yeah, th- 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 yeah. that you're yeah. never more American yeah. Americanized than when you're and when attacking you're South, America. Af-
1: South African minus going on a BLM you know exactly.
0: yeah yeah so that that would be the more cynical interpretation on the other hand um you could sort of argue that uh, in some cases we're getting situations where local liberation struggles are being influenced by the presentation and the kind of it's it's its own kind of populist presentation where you get people to join your cause by offering this simple recognizable kind of already branded kind of form so it it, it uh, needn't I mean, it I mean, needn't only different. be sort of junk, I guess, yeah. and and I think that maybe Pal- maybe you're right that Palestine has had something of that um, double role in the in the Arab world and among the uh, among kind of Muslim populations in the in the West. That and and I think more,
1: for the left, you know, and probably again, yep, you know, we might disagree, mm-hmm. or so, but you know, I definitely think for the the left as well. I think you know, certainly in many Arab states. Um, You know, Palestine has functioned as a kind of, uh, again, definitely as a kind of um, uh, way of cohering popular support. Um, You know, it's sort of used quite cynically by Arab governments who couldn't give a stuff one way or other about Palestine and most of whom I suspect are very upset that this has happened now because yeah. the abraham accords are kind of coming on you know states like states such as saudi um qatar egypt have no interest whatsoever in fighting israel you know this is not the 70s um you know uh, saudi as we know <coughs> uh, moving uh towards a full normalization of relations with Israel so I think there's that then I do think that for western left much some of some of the western left uh, you know Palestine has is this kind of free-floating kind of moral signifier you know and I'll say Mm -hmm. what I said around Ukraine and was always immediately condemned you know with the kind of um stupid persons idea of what a clever argument is you know what about you know so well what about but you know we know that some conflicts are um discussed and people feel very emotionally and some simply aren't you know there are plenty of things going on in the world uh, in which thousands of people have been killed um, you know we know that pakistan at the moment is literally as we would call it in another conflict ethnically cleansing how many thousands of Afghanistanis, um, Nagorno Karabakh, Tigray—you know—we can go on. I, just as I sort of said over yeah. Ukraine, so so there is certainly an element of that that goes on in terms of thinking about Britain as opposed to the kind of man or woman on the kind of Cairo omnibus. Yeah,
0: you know? I mean, just to jo- just jump in yeah. with with yeah. how I'd retort to that criticism we, we obviously there's something in it but um i, I think that the i think there is some justification. you know people say as you say what why do you care so much about this one and and then for, for some people the argument that there's a sort of pathological dimension to to why palestine becomes this thing that western leftists care so much about uh ah, is is that is does this not suggest that there's an anti-semitism in play here because you care so much more about atrocities committed by by the Jewish uh, uh, state but um i mean I, th- I think there is a there is a difference in that th- there's no other um s- a comparable situation where it's so much being done with the with weapons manufactured by britain and its allies there's no other situation where it's happening with the diplomatic cover of britain and its allies there's no other situation where which combines those things with the kind of particular like responsibility that Britain has in, in in terms of the the history. I mean, I know you just mentioned Pakistan, which isn't such a good example for that. But um, <laughs> and that there's also very few conflicts where it's so where your 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 speech and views on it are so policed in Britain and America. So it, it, there's almost a kind of way in which the the fact that unlike pakistan or yemen um the way you're allowed to talk about the conflict is it has so much attention on it that i think that that probably feeds into people feeling there's something special about this one that that both both in terms of what's literally happening both in and in terms of our collective responsibility for what's happening and for the way in which the stakes are raised on it, in that there are there are more consequences for talking about it in what's perceived as the wrong way. I think all of that kind of feeds into why it becomes such a, a a kind of um a big deal. And the, the other point is that, that Britain's Muslim population in, in general feels so strongly about it. So it, it's it's one of those where um the left doesn't have to do all the legwork on getting people to care or getting people to talk yeah. about it and actually at these at these marches it, it's all it, it's it's all there's a weird like feeling almost of it being refreshing that the majority of people on the march don't quite care if the left turn up or not
1: yeah yeah i mean I th- but i think also i would ask I, again i don't think this is something i can answer you know this is just sort of opinion and hunch really i mm. don't um, but I think also one would want to know why amongst Western Muslims has it become such a
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you, you know, the such a kind of um universal and again, I don't know how far that is true amongst British Muslims. I'm really hesitant yeah. about the and I'm not I'm not suggesting you are but you know the kind of broader dynamic the sort of clash of civilizations you know we've got a fifth column in Britain you know all, all our all our British Muslims um, see things in this way um, so I'm very hesitant about thinking either yeah groups within Britain as sort of homogeneous ethnic blocks because I don't think that is particularly borne out.
0: Um, no, but but again, but it wouldn't yeah. be surprising if it if it was, especially if we're thinking of a generation that grew up um through the war on terror and through prevent and sort of perceived themselves as being subjected to group scrutiny and group harassment at the same time as they're putting on the BBC and seeing one thing and then switching over to. Al Jazeera or when you still could press TV and <laughs> seeing <laughs> quite another thing that that that, that it wouldn't be so you know, even if it's not the case, yeah. it wouldn't be surprising if there was a sort of collective sense of embattlement on this issue, especially,
1: um, I mean, it is undoubtedly the fact I think that well, I would say it, to me, it's fairly obvious that many people will watch what's happening in um, Gaza, mm. and think, well, it's obviously one rule for us, one rule for them. Straightforward that you know certain states are allowed to do what they like, um, and other states aren't. So I, I think that is uh, true, and you know it, it's sort of surprising to me that a lot of people who are trying to make the kind of clash of civilizations argument cannot just see that straightforward
0: yeah well i I, I mean as you mentioned let's let's hear from douglas murray shall
2: we they come up with this idea for instance that there are indigenous people who were who were who were moved out the palestinians are indigenous people and they were moved out by the jews you can do that if you want now let's do britain you want to play the indigenous people own the land first game and the other people should fuck off i do not want to live in a country with Hamas supporters i want them deported i want them chucked out Simple. If there are people in the UK who are offended by the posters of missing Jewish children, they must leave.
0: They must leave. I feel, you know, we we talk to Trump people, we talk to paleocons and so on 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 this show. And I I always feel a slight sort of jealousy that uh, America's got Tucker Carlson and, and Donald Trump and Steve Bannon. And we've got this. Fucking poser of a Bond villain, uh, <laughs> as, as, uh, as our representative, give us a proper right. Come on, this is rubbish. <laughs> uh, that's amazing, isn't it? Um, so uh, first of all, yeah. he concedes, unlike many, um, paid up Zionist scholars of Israel, he concedes that there were Palestinians there first and, uh, and, uh, Jewish settlers came in, etc., etc. So he he's, he's far more, um, you know, a critical historian of Israel than most pro-Israel people are, but he does it so that he can say, let's play that game for Britain, shall we? If the Jews <laughs> should be kicked out of Gaza, then I assume what he means is immigrants should be kicked out of Britain.
1: <laughs> well of course, yeah. Immigrants, immigrants <laughs> who don't who don't think the right way.
0: Uh yeah, yeah, naturally. Um I mean that, that sort of brings yeah. us to a kind well, of interesting say, it, it is it is extraordinary. Story, yeah.
1: Sorry, just say, you know, we do see um, the many on the so called uh libertarian right have uh, suddenly snapped right back when it comes to Israel, Gaza, you know, yeah, bad yeah, Exactly. Uh, you know, we don't accept that people should have a pro Palestinian view, and of course, as we, you know, then arguing that everyone who is pro Palestinian is essentially pro Hamas and uh, wishes to um, expel every Jewish person from Israel so yes it's been quite a quite a yeah
0: quite a turn I mean uh, my my little anecdote here is that I, I accepted a couple of sort of slightly problematic invitations in September um one was to sign Matt Taibbi's open letter maybe you were on that as well um, oh, no, no, uh, uh, no, the, the westminster yeah, yeah. declaration for free speech yeah. opposing like misinformation bills coming out of covid which I was happy to sign the signatories were kind of a rose gallery of right wingers and libertarians and contrarians and so on plus me Žižek and Varoufakis. um uh and then the other thing was um Participating in the Battle of Ideas, the spikes connected event that you, you've been involved in in, in the past. And what, what was kind of funny was I accepted those invitations in the summer or in September. And then this came along. And suddenly everyone involved in those projects who had been all about free speech and anti-cancel culture, and you shouldn't lose your job for political opinions, stuff that I completely agree with and am very happy to share platforms with all those people on those specific issues. October 7th hit, and suddenly it was like, you know what we just said <laughs> about free speech and cancel culture? Forget about that, because we're actually for those now. Uh, and I actually think that that um, October uh, October declaration against anti-Semitism was a way of all those people having a different open letter to talk about that would make people forget about the Westminster declaration, free speech one, because they um, don't want free speech
1: anymore. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I... I did read that october declaration but that's probably another discussion um and i was, didn't yeah there were some things in it which i didn't support uh not least of all what it seemed to me a very um uh, elision of uh, you know jewish people and is an israel which yeah. seemed to me slightly problematic to say the least and i imagine there would be plenty of British Jewish people who would say the same. And obviously those who wouldn't, who, who would agree with that. Um, but I guess that's another conversation. But I mean, to be fair to the battle of ideas um, and those involved, um, generally they have not been arguing for cancelling marches, and you know.
0: Yes. Yes. Fine. I'm very happy to be fair to them. And, no. No. To uh, just, and d- and yeah. I did. I did have a good time. Yeah. It, was, it, it, it was. just. Yeah. I don't know. I, I spoke about this on uh, with David Jameson on the um, on the Patreon episode in in full. But it, it it I I felt I felt that people were a little disappointed actually that the Israel thing had come along because it slightly flipped the script for, <laughs> on what what it was they actually wanted to uh, uh, talk about one way or another. I mean d- Douglas Murray. He, he, if he's not calling for the marches to be um, cancelled, he he's uh, condemning them, and uh, we're getting this from from the, the similar sort of, I don't know, this sort of elite nativism. Uh, Matthew Goodwin, friend of the show, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, and other 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 types, they're all saying effectively, you can't call for an armistice. This is Armistice Day.
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, and it's been quite it's, some of the language, you know. And that there are people, uh, you know, part of the battle ideas, who are making similar arguments as well. But, you know, some of the language has been quite extraordinary in terms of, you know, what was Murray and Godwin was saying, you know, our our sacred monuments, the cenotaph, um, you know, we mustn't defame our glorious dead and the sacred monuments. You can think, wow, this is real uh, clash of civilizations stuff, you know. So fear entrepreneurs, really. Yeah. Think, um Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's it. So so it's this is where the COVID kind of um, yes. element is there, yeah. even though some yeah. of these people yeah. more than others were critical of COVID. I'm not sure what, what Murray's stance was. But um
1: well, I think Murray was right up for all the restrictions. Yeah. But you know, if
0: I've defamed
1: so, you, Douglas.
0: So, like, so it, existential threat. Yeah. Um the 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 uh the the sort of sense of invasion we've got to you know people who misbehave on the on the protests we've got to kick them out Um, and and
1: i I think that trying to create so i do think trying to create some kind of moral coherence and program
0: yeah what are jews Um, supposed to think seeing these marches well, you know, a lot of the people yeah. on the marches are Jewish, know, of course, are... but like this sort of sensitive, this idea, like suddenly they they care about sensitivity and they care about, you know, pers- you know, p- perceived threats of a minority towards yeah. a minority group,
1: and, and this idea that I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm missing it as well. You know, that most people in Britain are going to be outraged at the thought of a. Uh, Pro Palestine march taking place at the weekend. I mean, i i i, I find it I find it hard. <laughs> it just seems an extraordinary idea, really, that this is going to be present. This is going to be perceived as some kind of threat to British values. In brackets, what 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 those are, I'm not sure. But what I think is going on is an attempt to, in a sort of a, a shorthand way create some sort of idea well these are our values these are under threat and that can only be done through this kind of intense clash of civilization you know you're with us or against us uh presentation you know if you're not going on the lock on the lock if you're not supporting lockdown that's because you are for yeah killing granny um you know so i think there is I'm probably not articulating it well at all, but it's quite a weird I think there is a project there of trying to use fear to create some kind of group cohesion and narrative. Um, and maybe not in a sort of ex, even in an explicit and thought through way, but by the political elites, but that to me is what going back to Anton Yeager's, I idea that idea of of hyper politics is about you know this perma crisis which is almost the only way in which the political elites uh, can have some can rule you know god knows they're not going to clean the drains or make sure that the rubbish is collected or make sure that the police you know can arrest people burglars but what they can do kind of hyper terrifying slogans you know, hate marches on our street, attacking British values. Um, you're with us or you're against a civilizational barbarism, that sort of thing. Um, as a substitute for, you know, the boring, what did What did Weber call politics? You know, the long, slow, hard, boring of boards, you know, just all that yeah. boring stuff. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. And that's what... States can't do anything anymore. No, states they can't can do only make you feel like they're doing the thing that they have to do instead of doing the thing
1: right. and also
0: make make you have the libidinal satisfaction that your that side you... is winning or were, or even better you, you you've you lost and so you're alone in your virtue and your wisdom yes your wisdom.
1: yes yes you you and douglas murray are alone mm.
0: <laughs> so, yeah so alone that, in your that principles that
1: would have you be been
0: paying attention to the COVID, COVID inquiry we, we've got this COVID inquiry going on in the uk right now and D- dominic cummings um th- so, uh, he's a, this is an interesting one. He was the sort of folk devil during the Brexit period, yeah. and now he's being kind of a um, hero. Yeah, he's the folk hero for the yeah. same sort of li- liberal mindset because he was the one who was so pro lockdown, yeah. uh, uh, against Boris, who who just wanted to uh let Covid rip. How, how much attention have you been paying to that inquiry? Do you I mean, think it matters?
1: a little bit. I mean, I, th- I think it matters. i don't I think I, I think there will be some interesting historical details that come out of that, but I, I think I think it matters, but not in the way that I would want it to matter. You know, this is clearly an exercise in justifying what the British state decided to do. And the lesson learned will be we didn't do enough of it.
0: Yeah, and that' it is, it's there to enshrine the theology. That if it, only boris johnson had been a yeah. good man and locked down yeah. three weeks before yeah. then no one would have died
1: yes this is and not a testable
0: hy- hypothesis
1: <laughs> yes yes <laughs> um, absolutely absolutely and next time you know we know that we have to do it immediately yeah. um so that is how i understand the COVID inquiry i mean to be you know that to some extent, is the role of inquiries in British political life. And that is to, uh, you know, frame, uh, enshrine a very specific narrative of an event. Um, I think Chilcot was quite interesting. Mm -hmm. It it was a bit different, actually. Into Um, Iraq. Yes, uh, the the Iraq inquiry was a little bit different, but even that has managed to be turned into a kind of, you know, a historical event. So that's also, yeah. you know, queries, transfer, you know, well, that was then that was the mistake we made now.
0: <laughs> and that was almost that was a, that was more than a decade later that it came. That, oh, the, yes. the, that Abs- yeah. Came out, whereas this is
1: absolutely. The, yeah.
0: yeah. The, Sorry, the, I digress. But- no, it's interesting though that that the the the, the longer I mean, it's, I guess it's an obvious thing to say, but the, the the ones that come out too late to change anything are actually critical and interesting. The ones that come out immediately are, yeah. You know, the stereotype would be it's a, it's a whitewash, but it's not a whitewash, and this is a, this is the opposite of a whitewash. This is a this is creating legitimacy for yeah. what they want, the powers they want next time
1: yes absolutely that the the lesson learned is we need the lesson the lessons learned we need to do that quicker and better um but yeah just on that long i was saying just very quickly again bit of digression the um i think it was about was it three years ago the intelligence and security committee had a very good report on britain's uh role in rendition mm-hmm. But again, that was, and that is those are the parameters of the that committee as well. It can look at things retrospectively. That was, of course, you know, decade on from the role. Well, but you know, when you read the report, it's actually quite quite a report from a parliamentary committee. But anyway, so that is a digression. But yes, yeah, so sometimes well well uh well after the event, there can be some good inquiries. But yeah, the COVID. And it's, uh, you know, I think it's, it, I find it quite terrifying, really. Um, because as you said, it's setting up a model for next time. The extent to which people will respond in the same way, who knows? You know, I mean, it was, again, as we see with COVID, and this, I think, is, there is an attempt to recreate this in terms of the, you know, hate marches and clash of civilizations You know, people many people can be frightened of course and scared into behaving in a certain way and accepting um you know things for the greater good you know it, it, of course who, who would be for a hate march
0: yes, yes. <laughs> this, yeah,
1: this yeah. is the, and once you start to portray things in these uh but, you know, if you're not, who would be for a hate much? Who would not be for something that would be for the greater good? Because if you're not for that, that must mean you are someone who wishes harm to the, mm-hmm. the greater, you know, people. I mean, it's, it's quite a dangerous um, narrative. Yeah. Um,
0: I, f- I feel like, um, I, I don't know, without without wanting to sound like it's the arab spring all over again and i and i think social media is it's just a great beneficent thing I, I i think with the the reason why the hate mark i i feel like um free, free speech union your douglas Murray's the the these sort of characters are, are sounding a, a bit incoherent at the moment because they're they're not quite sure what to say because these marches are surprisingly big and the size means that every suburban normie has got a nice niece who is posting a friend who's at the march. So the, we, what we have is just the, the sheer size means that people are now faced with what they're being told is a hate march and the fact that they're seeing their nice niece is there. And that, that is one thing that never, there was never that tipping point with anti-lockdown fear. No. Even though the anti-lockdown protests were extremely diverse, I imagine quite a lot of um, Muslim guys who are at those uh, are now at the um, pro-Palestine marches. Uh, they were was, extremely it was, diverse.
1: It was a very wide range of opinion, yeah. <laughs> from, from the David, from the diehard David Ike supporter to yeah. yeah.
0: But they weren't. They just weren't big enough to sort of break through in that way, in well, that almost word-of-mouth way to show. So, so people were oh. able to think that it was just like. You know the the illegal dog people um yes. <laughs> right now.
1: but i mean the other thing is and again i and i have thought about this quite a bit you know there were some huge anti-lockdown marches i mean it, but they were simply not reported mm-hmm. so this is something else you know and i don't have i have no I you know no kind of clear idea about this and it you know, It's been interesting the media focus as well on the Palestinian pro Palestine marches uh, because then that again is a decision made by BBC, etc. But maybe it is simply, as you say, maybe it is also a function of the numbers.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, that's yeah, so certainly there were some no. big Covid marches, but I would say, but not comparable to the. Um,
0: Pro Palestine marches. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I the I lo- I I love talking about this this angle of it, but I, I feel like while, while I've got you here, I should I should get your um, take as an international relations um, expert on um, a more a more kind of simple simple question, which is what what do you think Hamas were trying to do on 7th of October and what do you think Israel's trying to do
1: yeah I mean I really yeah I've read lots about it. I've read different takes uh you know <clears throat> Israeli takes other takes on what Hamas is doing was it trying to make the occupation was it a, a a sign that you know the occupation will that or that the situation in Gaza will be one which Israel cannot get a cannot be cost free for israel you know of course hamas cannot possibly have imagined that this was going to topple the israeli state mm-hmm. obviously hamas would obviously have been aware of course of the massive retaliation that would be meted out to Gaza civilians obviously and that would have fed into it and um, was it part as well of Trying to stop the Abraham Accords, that's another discussion that I've read. Yeah. uh, okay. you know, trying to stop that normalization because, uh, definitely from the Hamas perspective, the atrocities are, you know, and I have to be careful, they are shock and awe, yeah, atrocities, you know, mass butchery, um, but. Obviously, with an understanding that this is not going, you know, the Israeli state's not going to say, okay, you know, fair fair dues, Hamas. We, you know, um, and of course we know there's a whole other more complicated discussion as well about, um, you know, the relationship between Hamas and the Israeli government and the way in which Hamas has been used to essentially undermine uh secular alternatives and divide and conquer you know so that there, there, there's that whole discussion so i mean i i i genuinely don't know it does seem to me there's very much the kind of shock and awe and i don't mean that in a good way um it's hard to think about it's hard to work out what if any the political a the aims of the atrocities were but I would also argue that would be so yeah and sorry I'm just saying again probably to just to make everyone who's listening hate to me I hate me I mean I think uh, you know Hamas are I don't think that Hamas are resistance fighters I think they are jihadi dead ends basically Um, I mean we know of course as well Gaza has not had elections for um, over well over a decade, Um, you know, and Hamas essentially rule as well with a close relationship to Israel. Um, As we know, the Hamas leader has a cushy place in Qatar, which, of course, that also has occurred with the permission of the states because we know that Qatar hosts one of the biggest American bases in the Middle East. Um, and is a staunch ally, whilst also having uh, supported jihadis during the Syrian conflict. Um, and it suits Israel and America to have Hamas the leader there for, you know, back channel discussions, etc. Uh, you know, but so essentially, there's a there is a close relationship between Hamas and the Israeli state.
0: Yeah, the, I mean, whenever there is Islamist hegemony. There is
1: yeah, a the bunch
0: one. of Arab nationalists who have been assassinated yeah. in order to let them in. And whenever yeah. there is Arab nationalist hegemony, there's a bunch of Arab yes, socialists yes. who have been assassinated. The the, the, and, the, and the, that, the CIA and Mossad choose their enemy, and they they would always rather be up against like yeah. psychotic Islamist freaks as Absolutely. opposed to
1: and in, and in that secular
0: nationalists or communists.
1: Absolutely, and in that Israel has behaved, you know, in very much kind of standard Western, uh, you know, modus operandi. You know, you push the um, Islamists to ensure that, you know, you 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 have no proper part, part political partner.
0: I mean, for, no, but, not not I that. Was, uh, I mean, you you make it sound like our, our listeners are um, <laughs> are. are uh, pro uh, pro caliphate the pro caliphate no, no, uh, no, um, do uh, no, members no, no, no. I mean if if you do um join the hundred pounds a month tier you you will be contributing to the formation of the caliphate <laughs> but that's an, uh, but not <laughs> that's many no one's I taken do. us up on that yet. No no, um, no what, me. no, what no, I mean no. just to sort of play devil's advocate a bit yeah. like no, no. if if it is the case that Hamas or the, the part of Hamas that is sincere as opposed to the part that's in the jacuzzi um that they did this to they're
1: having um,
0: in uh, yeah that they did this to disrupt or prevent the abraham accords that that, that they they're looking at these arab states who as you said before are thinking it's not the seventies anymore. They let Trump ho- have his PR moment, hosting this normalization with Israel. All of which was going over the heads of the Palestinians. As much as the the, the standard as Israeli opinion is, why won't the Palestinians fuck off and die? Quite a lot of a- Arab elites also feel that, and oh, yes. and. Or, uh, uh, and um, They've basically entered into the Abraham Accords negotiations in that spirit. So if um, I I don't
1: know, know, I'm saying that is one.
0: That's one interpretation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know.
0: So I I don't know the 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 kind of from the point of view of your your average Gazan. I mean, to me, the amazing thing is that more Gazans don't support Hamas doing the most evil shit like to, to me the amazing thing is that you can spend most of your life in what has been described as a, an open-air prison or concentration camp and still like care about cooking and poetry as opposed to only caring about revenge to me it's actually a great kind of portrait of the human spirit that is possible to not just be an insane psychopath yeah, in, in that mean, situation
1: there, there, was um, a, there was some polling but again mm-hmm. you know i mean polling is always yeah. as we know problematic and particularly i think it came out last year uh, um public opinion in gaza uh um and it but again obviously in a very different difficult context you know uh majority of people didn't support hamas and i guess when you are on the ground as well and we could talk about israel in a sec um, when you are on the ground and you're seeing who, Hamas, who are essentially the anointed rulers of the reservation, yeah, uh, you know, uh, um, take embezzling, plenty of money, ruling in a certain way, you know, I guess, then there is probably a different picture on the as well about where the problems lie. Yeah,
0: um, but. but- from the point of view of this disruption of the abraham accords it has it has worked hasn't it
1: i guess so again it's yeah i don't know you know i mean as i said there's no way the surrounding arab countries as you say would be very very happy well not depending on what happened for the palestinian problem to just disappear so depending on how far israel goes I imagine that that will all just truck on, but that does depend as well um, how far Israel goes. Um, And also, I was going to say, and I think on the thinking about it from the Israeli side, thinking like, what is the aim of Hamas, and what is what is Israel seeking to achieve? I mean, as far as I can see, this is sheer retaliation. You know, there's no there is no need to embark on a massive um barbaric bombing campaign or you know in which thousands as we know are being killed and i really i don't know but it to me it really does have a strong war on terror um feel to it mm-hmm. you know just kind of again shock and awe and you know i really want to say again i don't mean this in a way but but that was the term given to the american response um in iraq well it wasn't an American; it wasn't a response but to the american invasion of iraq which was obviously a setup in itself but the american invasion of iraq it was shock and awe you know just uh bombing um the sort of theatrical the theatrics of it and again that doesn't i don't mean that in a positive way in which uh the mass bombardment, death, everything was kind of meant to cower almost the enemy. Um, But with what consequences, with what end game, absolutely not a thought. And I really, and it does seem to me that this is playing out as well in terms of the Israeli retaliation. Um, You know, that there is no end game I don't think that Israel wants to directly rule Gaza. I mean, that's why it has ruled via, more or less via Hamas anyway, because it has not wished to directly rule Gaza. Um, and it's just, yes, yeah, so I can't really see what the Israeli states, you know, it, it is not, the Israel will not, and probably doesn't want to, but will not remove Hamas. And and of course, a mass bombing campaign in which thousands are killed is, you know, obviously any person can understand that people in Gaza are not going themselves get up and say, okay, again, in the opposite way, it's a fair cop, you know, (laughs) we embrace, you You got us, you know, no, we're we're not, yeah, let's move on from this now. Uh, Let's shake hands and move on. So it really does seem to me that there is a, I think on both sides, I would say that there is, there are kind of war on terror vibes almost without being a bit naff in my phrasing. you know, sort of shock and awe, but with no end game in sight really. But that's just what I, you know, on the other hand, of course, one thing that we, one thing that is absolutely going on are constant back-channel negotiations. Uh, you know, some hostages have been released. Uh, you know, this doesn't happen out of the goodness of anyone's heart, obviously. This is because there are intense behind-the-scenes negotiations. Um, but it, I, I think, I mean... Certainly, from an Israel, it seems that the Israeli, I think the Israeli response is a political kind of disaster for Israel.
0: Yeah, I mean, sure, surely. I it's, uh, I, I feel that this has been a, a a propaganda surprise and a propaganda blow for, with, with whatever causation. Um, I mean, yeah, well, I don't know, we, we better leave it there. Um, Tyra McCormack, always o- uh, enlightening and clarifying to speak to you and uh, uh, just, uh, I don't know anyone else who could um, better help join the dots between these various recent crises which all seem to contribute some new mania to the ingredients. Let's uh,
1: the next.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, see you next time. I mean, the, the gap <laughs> is closing in how quickly these things come around, so I guess see you in two months' time. <laughs> Uh, for uh, the next bad thing Um, listeners who want to help us continue making independent radical media continue platforming the broadest range of voices please get over to patreon.com forward slash the popular pod to help us out a bit Uh, otherwise solidarity and keep it together out there